This is one of the most common questions I hear from brands, truly. I'm on a limited budget. How do I get more eyeballs on my stuff? Like, how do I get more reach? And a great way to build credibility and trust is through what we call in marketing, and I'm using quotations here, social proof. You've probably heard this term before. And I would define social proof as someone saying something about your brand. So it's just not from you. It's like a testimonial that's not from you. So you might see on websites, quote testimonials where customers have shared positive feedback, or you've heard about brands through publications like New York Times, The Cut, whatever you might be reading. And today's guest has gotten her brand featured in major news pubs like Sports Illustrated, Cosmo, Forbes, Marie Claire, and more. And not only that, but she's gotten these features organically just through straight up cold pitching. I'm not even kidding. So I'm so excited to have Emma Volrath on the Next Big Thing podcast today. Emma's the founder of Emma Lute the Label. It's an athletic wear brand that uses a recycled thermoplastic fabric to reduce water weight and bloating, all while smoothing out your silhouette. So if you're going to do a workout or you're just running errands, you know, you look really chic, but then you also have something that reduces bloating, which is really cool. I'm so impressed by Emma's no bullshit approach to getting PR for her brand. And I truly love that she's coming on the podcast today to give you her exact process of how she got into all these news publications. It just goes to show you that you don't need this fancy PR agency or a fancy PR agency that people might say that you need uh, or paid promotion to get noticed. So I hope you guys absolutely love this episode and I will catch you on the flip side. Tell me a little bit about what you do. You've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, it's always a hard to answer that question. I feel like I wear a lot of hats, as you do when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur. But most of the time, I'm designing, I'm putting out fires, I'm driving to Pilates studios all around Southern California and doing pop-ups, I'm trying not to cry. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm trying to do. we've all everyone's like yeah 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 right the crying part yeah we get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and tell us about your brand that you have so I started Emily it was a pandemic brand and I got lucky because everybody was working out at home and needed something fun to wear when you're just bored at home and like uh, surfing the web so I'd been a personal trainer long before the pandemic and I had a lot of clients that were women, but they were always talking about their lower stomach. And that wasn't the first time I'd heard about the lower stomach. It was something that was so common, even with myself, like bloating, water weight, but they were really hard on themselves and they would wear, um, I think they're called trashers. They're the saran wrap that you would wrap around your stomach. Oh and it was intense. Yeah. It, people would go crazy. And I, that was not sustainable, obviously. Like I would always panic when they were like, please take that off. It's not good for you. And <laughs> Wait, this were, is a real were, thing? Yeah, everybody. And it was trashers. It was like garbage bags. I mean, people are crazy. They were going crazy. It was like tape. It was like taping down your lower stomach. And I could not believe it. These women were so hard on themselves. Like here you are working out five times a day, but you're also wearing this like awful saran wrap on your body for no reason. And I just literally couldn't take it anymore. And I grew up in Southern, I grew up in California. So I was in the water a lot, whatever. And I had a wetsuit and the wetsuit always kept me really warm. So I just cut out a piece of the wetsuit and my grandma helped me sew it into the inside of an old pair of biker shorts I had. And 
it was so ugly and just awful, but it worked. It like did what I wanted it to do without me having to wear saran wrap or a garbage bag or a waist trainer. And I wanted to work with a manufacturer that could actually help me make something that was sustainable and like good for you instead of like something so bulky and, you know, not so good for you. So that's what we've come up with what we have now, which is a recycled thermoplastic waistband and my clients went crazy for it. And then I put it up on like Instagram and it just, there, there we go there. She had a business after that. So cool. And you know what I love about your idea too, is you recognize that it was a problem from another, from, from your clients, not from a personal problem. So it really was a legitimate problem that people that were coming to work with you had. And it was almost every single person. I I thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, what is happening here? So you started this brand during the pandemic and you worked with manufacturers. You, is it, is it both retail? You said you went around to Pilates studios. So is it in-store and online? Right now it's just online. I've gotten a couple offers to do Pilates studios, but I just want to be really careful about it first, like going into it. Smart. I think this is a question that everyone has of just getting awareness and getting more eyes on your brand. When you say pandemic brand, I think a lot of people can relate because a lot of people started brands during the pandemic. It's like pandemic baby pandemic brand. So now it's almost like the, it's not that the space is cluttered, but there's definitely more competition I'd say in every industry. So knowing that for you, how did you start to think about getting more eyeballs and press on your brand? So I knew I had a unique product positioning, how I could kind of like pitch my product, something different. And people are so crazy about wellness and like doing something good for you that I thought, okay, I can really take this and run with it. I had no foreign PR experience. I didn't even know what PR stand standed for. I didn't, I had no idea. (laughs) And I mean, I literally am doing this so scrappy and like from my laptop at home, not anyone can do it. I just do a lot of research on the exact articles I want to get into. Like if I want to go to shape uh, magazine or like women's health or pop sugar Cosmo, I'm so specific on who I'm reaching out to on when I'm reaching out to them. If they just talked about their favorite activewear brands, I'm not going to pitch them because they just did that. I'm going to wait a couple weeks, like time it perfectly to the best of my ability um, and just offer them, you know, something that they can a value that they can take and run with it. Like coming up with topics they can already talk about not having not having to think about what they're going to write about it's like no I'm literally giving you topics you can you know like fun um, categories you can talk about because I'm already pitching it to you with my product this is one of the biggest things I think people miss too is they find the person that they want to reach out to and they just blast them I think we've all been in a situation because we've all received sales pitches at some point where this has happened. So what you're saying is you're looking up, you're researching their name. How do you even find out who the person is to contact? So I will just go on to, let's take pop sugar, pop or let's say Forbes, let's say Forbes, because I'll use like a real life example. So Forbes, I'll go into like Forbes women. They have a whole category full of women and they, the editors on there write about stories all the time. So about a year ago, I was like, okay, I want to get into Forbes. How do I do this? So I'm looking on Forbes.com, Forbes Women, either one. And I'm looking up like beauty. I think they have a, a style um, part of the part of the website that you could go on. And they're editors that talk about style or entrepreneurs. And so I found a writer who was talking about 
female entrepreneurs and wellness. And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. That's exactly my, uh, my alley. So I sent her, I find her email and I think I find it on LinkedIn or Instagram. Usually they post their emails and their Instagram. So always check Instagram before you panic. And I emailed her just like telling her about my product and offered to send her product. And then couple days later she got back to me I I usually don't like to follow up unless it's been a couple weeks that I haven't heard from because you know people are busy it takes me a couple days to get to emails too like we get it everyone's everyone's running around like crazy so um she got back to me loved the product and we I got a story into Forbes so it literally was me reaching out to her she was like I never would have found you if you didn't reach out to me so thank you for reaching out so I'm like okay well that worked let's keep trying it so you sent her product yes Mm-hmm. And what was that process like? How do you figure that out? Because you get your email, their email address, and then how do you coordinate those details? It's, it's harder, I think, when you have a physical product versus just a pitch for a company, let's say, right? And there's no real exchange of anything. Exactly. So I I realized that also. So I told her about my product, what was unique about it, how I started, like really small. I mean, I made it maybe less than a paragraph. You don't want to send your whole, you know, five hundred word essay on your your company, literally nobody will read that. You just need to get it out there. 50 words, you know, a couple sentences. And I I said at the bottom, you know, also if you're interested, I'd love to send you like a pair of leggings, so, you know, to try it out. So you have more of like the insider perspective. And she was like, oh my God, amazing. I think that it helps me write the story better when I do have product because, you know, that way she's actually tried it and can give her real perspective. That's great. So she sent back, did you send her like a size chart or she just sent back like, here's my size or. Yeah. Just sent me her size. And literally that same day I was like out the, out the door. Yeah. So you're like, you're on it. You're like, yeah, personalized. And then right away too, like no delay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, you're getting this tomorrow. Like, (laughs) (laughs) And did you do like a little handwritten note in it? I always do uh, with even with everyday orders. I write a handwritten note. I just love think it's, that. it makes. Yeah, I just think it's fun. People love it, too. I think people just feel so special. I feel special when I receive one and I am we we see brands all the time, you know, so it's it's really nice. So then this is great detail, by the way. I'm loving the amount of detail that you're giving because this is is like anyone could take this and run with it. So you send a handwritten note as part of your package and then do you confirm with her if she's received it or what happens after that? Yeah. So I'm always, I'm super obsessed with tracking numbers. So always save the tracking number. I write the name who, you know, who I'm sending it to. And then I check up on that package every single day and it's kind of tedious, but you, what if it gets lost and they never get it or like it's a, gets sent to the wrong address. So I always follow up with, okay, here's your tracking number. I'm going to keep an eye out on the package too. I would love it if you let me know when you get it. And then they normally do if, you know, they're pretty nice about it. But, um, and if she hasn't responded to me, I'll send a follow-up a couple of days after I know it's been delivered and just say, hey, the package was delivered. Hope you love it. Excited to hear your thoughts. Something like that, just quick. And so they know that it's been delivered. Amazing. And then you just wait. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is probably yeah. gonna be the hardest part for anyone is just the waiting yeah. period. Yeah, it's not guaranteed that they're gonna write about you or love your product. So you have to kind of hit both of those. Since you're using this as like a real world example, after that amount of time she receives the product, how much how much later did she end up writing about you? 
I'd say it was a couple weeks. She okay. she wanted to try the product out for a while, which I totally get because, you know, I wanted her to get the full experience. And she uh, emails me, hey, let's hop on a call. So they gave her my phone number and we literally talk on the phone. I think it was for almost two hours just about no everything. Yeah, we've become like we're still friends to this day. I love her. That's she awesome. is my <laughs> She's a huge supporter of mine, and I met her. I met up with her at Miami Swim Week, and it was the Stop. whole thing. But, yeah, <laughs> you're like so literally. You this know. is actually a podcast episode about building friendships. It's not fun fact. It's not actually PR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're gonna find friends on the internet yeah. by doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So you guys just naturally hit it off, anyway. Yeah, she was awesome. And like into the same wellness stuff as me and wow. like bought tickets to Miami and met her and it was so fun. So you can just That's never so know, fun. you know, you never know. Yeah. Okay. I have a really nitpicky question. So going back to your pitch, because I think people listening would probably have this as a question. Knowing that journalists receive a trillion emails a day or like, you know, I, I think your point about finding them on Instagram is also great because they have these additional channels, right? Like a lot of journalists use Twitter, a lot of them use Instagram, but they're getting fielded stuff all day. How do you make sure even with like a subject line that you're catching their attention? Or do you, do you feel confident enough that they're going to go through it to where you don't need to do something that's kind of clickbaity? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I'd say 50% of the time, I don't get responses. It's the 50% I do that I'm, I get have success with, but they all have the same, usually the same subject line. Sometimes I'll teeter it depending on the place I'm pitching to, but I always just say something along the lines of, of like, let me just, I'm trying to think of an example. I sent one earlier today. So I'm trying to remember. <laughs> That's I'm, fresh. I'm like, I do this constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sweat enhancing, athleisure line, you know, made from an old wetsuit or just something captivating, Cute. like fun. Yeah. Just something that's unique to you and your brand. Because if I were to title it, um, like LA based athleisure brand, they'd probably be like, oh, great. Another one of mm -hmm. these, you know, so be really specific. You know, if you're starting a brand, it's for a reason usually, and you have some type of advantage point that you can talk about. So literally milk it, use it to your advantage and just make that subject line really catchy, but not super clickbaity, like not like open me, you know, yeah. Like that. Just, <laughs> open yeah. me. Yeah. Don't do <laughs> that. Before, you're listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, could we be future friends? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> then yeah, that gets them to open it. Yeah. So then when yeah. in the body of the email, to be clear, you're not asking for press and there's also not an expectation either. No, no. I think when you ask for press, they kind of become more standoffish it's more of tell your story like just put your story out there mm -hmm. so it's it's more so like here's a little bit about me I'd love to send you a pair like where whatever you're selling as uh like free to try it out and that's it as opposed yeah. to I see that you write pieces about xyz like you don't people don't need to get into that detail it's just you naturally have already done your research. So the assumption is that you've done your research and you can tell them a little bit about you and that you're sending them something and they can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You always want to do your research on the editor. Cause I mean, there's been a time where I've accidentally said the wrong, you know, like I love what you write for Cosmo and it was, she was not at Cosmo and she emailed me back and was like, I think you have the wrong person. I'm like, what? <laughs> so yeah. But yeah. anyway, so do you want to write about me? No. <laughs> yeah, but now that you're emailing Yeah, me, but now that you talked to me, yeah. <laughs> so then what happens if you if someone doesn't respond? Because I think 
that's another, I love that you're so transparent about all of this, but I love that you also mentioned too, that people just aren't going to respond. So what happens to those people? Do you create a list of people that haven't responded? You don't just give up on those people. No, uh, sometimes yes, but I do have a notes page on my laptop that I keep track of editors. I pitch to once or twice and from each different, uh, outlet I'm pitching to. And if they don't respond, you know, even after I send them, after I send them products and I followed up two or three times, that's it. I'm not going to keep, it sucks, but it happens. Not everybody, you're not everybody's top of mind. Like you may be on, you know, you're thinking about them all the time because they have your product and you want them to write about you, but they don't, it's not the same. So if they don't respond to me, I will usually follow up once, you know, after a couple, like a week or so, five to seven days. And then after that, nothing, then I'll just wait till maybe I come out with a different product or circle back in a couple of months and just maybe re refine my pitch a little better and then try again. Cause it's happened to me a couple of times where I'll pitch again and they'll respond. So you, again, you just literally, you never know who's going to see your email. And what's your approach or stance with journalists versus bloggers versus influencers, right? Like I think right now, and especially with this podcast being called the next big thing, I think that's, I've seen a lot of journalists start to build these social media presences, right? Where they're talking about things and that's almost like an additional platform for them. So are you considering outside of journalists, maybe influencers that have a lot of influence in the space, but maybe don't write for a Forbes, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of, I love micro influencers. I think that they give the most value to their audience just because a lot of the times they do it for free and they genuinely just like reviewing products and locally if you can target your local micro influencers your gold because they will literally they will help you so much and it's super genuine I've never had to pay an influencer to talk about my product it's usually I send it to them or we meet in person I love or we take content together and then they'll tell me about you know the product and they'll tell their audience so it's all super organic and I find I have the best success with that oh I love that and how do you find them locally I how do I look on? So I live in Southern California, Newport beach. And so I'll look at Newport beach location. If I see a girl that, you know, has like on Instagram, looking for, yeah, on Instagram, sorry. Yeah. On Instagram or TikTok. Honestly, you can look at locations via TikTok and just find people that are in the similar space as you that have a similar vibe as you and just reach out to them. Like, Hey, I have a small company. I live here. I'm the founder and maybe tag your Instagram or DM them from your personal Instagram and just, you know, ask to take content with them. And usually they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. So it makes everybody, it's just fun. It's more fun than doing it all via email and kind of boring. Love that. I think that's great. And yeah, if you have, if you're really proud of your product and you want to talk about it in front of people, they can feel that passion. So they're almost more connected to you in a way. What about when you reach out to journalists or you reach out to like, for example, help a reporter. I know a lot of people are familiar with that as a way to get press. You know, they send out that email list of journalists that are looking for responses every day. Have you ever encountered journalists that ask for payment in addition to the product? And how do you handle that? I don't think I have. I, I don't, I haven't even heard of that website. So maybe that's a good thing, but it's a very common, like people will, uh, journalists will use it to, to solicit responses. And I know a lot of times, sometimes they'll ask for free product or payment, but that can be very unethical. So I actually think your approach is a lot better. And that's great that you haven't encountered anyone that's asked for 
payment. Wow. Yeah. And, but if someone did, I mean, there are some influencers that ask for payment in exchange and I'm just, I just say like, I'm sorry, that's, I guess it's just not going to work or maybe in the future. Cause sure. You would love to pay someone to like promote your product. And it's a guaranteed post because when you do it for free, it's never guaranteed. So, I mean, I kind of, I guess it kind of goes both ways, but better to do it organically than paid in my opinion. Yep. How do you measure success from all of these? I think I enjoy, I, I think I find success when someone genuinely loves the product and I know it's genuine because again, there's no, you know, there's no payment involved and it's all organic and I grow friendships from meeting these people. I've met so many amazing women who have connected me to other amazing women just because we're in the similar space. And I think that's how I've kind of gained a little bit more experience quicker is because I reach out to people a lot. I mean, literally all the time I'm reaching out to people and they'll introduce me to someone else or someone who they think, you know, I should talk to. So just reach out. People get kind of timid when it comes to that, but don't be, nobody thinks you're weird. If you reach out, you're not cringe, you know, put your ego aside and just send the email. Yeah. (laughs) Just do it. I promise. Yeah. And what other benefits do you think people or founders can can get from being featured in bigger publications like Forbes, Cosmo, those are huge PR pubs or like pubs in general. So then what do you, what would you say or is, why should someone do that? That's listening right now outside of the relationships and friendships that you can build. It's just a lot of credibility. And when you're a new brand, that's all consumers look for is has someone else tried this? Someone else I trust because you go to your friends when you, you know, do it. Have you, did you try that? Do you like it? But when you don't have that, you look to a magazine or, and it also just puts more eyes on your brand. A lot of sales usually come, come from it just because it's a huge exposure and that's so many more eyes than a small brand would have to pay for. And as we all know, it's very expensive. So when you do get that, it's just so many, it, I mean, there's tons of things, but I think especially it's credibility and knowing that when you buy something from your brand, you're, you know, it's, you're going to love it because this editor also loved it. So it helps a lot. One other quick question, because I think this is coming up more and more with websites like Wirecutter and New York, uh, I think it's New York Mag that has the strategist, right? They have all of these recommendation websites for products. Have you encountered, do you do affiliates at all? Because I know for a lot of publishers too, and a lot of influencers, you know, if they're referring or recommending a product, sometimes they like to take a cut of that. So do you have that? as a option for them? Yeah, mostly I think it's for, for my audience that has already bought something and they continue to post about it. And so I'll offer them an affiliate code, but I haven't done that with a journalist yet, but it's a good idea. I think just because I think that way you're more inclined to post about it when there is some monetary rewards coming in. I mean, that's, I would feel good, you know, posting about something a lot if I was also benefiting from it in some right way shape or form but also it's so cool that you've been able to get to this point without doing any of those things like that's it just goes to show you the power of doing your research and evaluating different journalists and different publications and like really understanding who you're talking to and making it really relevant to them to get a great response back and like you said it takes time right like this isn't something that happens overnight yeah absolutely and i saw a quote a couple of days ago that said one cold email 
can change your life. And I strongly believe that. Where do you see this headed, this industry of PR and brands getting PR? Like, do you find that there are new techniques or, or different ways to explore getting more buzz and exposure for your brand? So I think right now it's just really expensive and unattainable for smaller brands because normally there's a retainer free every month. That's a couple grand. That's honestly insane that I've heard. Some You're saying if like you worked with an agency, right? Yeah. If you work with an agency, yeah. Sometimes they'll charge you an arm and a leg for a couple features and yes, it can help, but the return on investment is not going to be equivalent in the beginning. Like you're going to get some big names, but you're not going to see any return, which if you, that's okay with you, then do it. But I think, you know, you can do things for free. I just threw an event pretty much for free and invited tons of Southern California influencers and just got tons of brand exposure for free. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do events, hosting pop-ups, like look to your community and the people you already know instead of trying to grapple for more people that cost you more money and reaching out to these bigger PR firms that could probably give less of a shit about, you know, you or your company as long as you're paying the fee. Exactly. Like they see dollar signs. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you get, I love that you mentioned so much about community and community building and having events. And I, I just, I'm asking these questions because I, love your approach to this. And I think that a lot of people too, they look at events like that and they're like, okay, well, do I have to pay to get someone there? But what you're saying is like, it's all organic based on the relationships that you've built. Yeah. And I've gotten quoted tons of times for events with PR agencies that were way too, you know, way too much, too, too expensive for me right now, but I was able to do one at no cost just by inviting friends of friends and influences I had met or sent product to, and everybody's happy to do it. You know, there's like a free workout, you get to shop and hang out by the beach. So there's worse ways to spend your day, I think, than, than doing that. Totally. I love it. Where can people find you and connect with you? So I'm at Emma Lou, E-M-M-A-L-O-U, thelabel.com and at Emma Lou, the label on Instagram, TikTok. And I think that's all I'm on, but and my personal, and like, what else am I on? And my personal is on there too. You can find me. It's, it's linked in the bio, but yeah. Cool. I love it. Raise your hand if you're going to be applying Emma's PR pitching method strategy for your brand. I really feel like I'm not even joking. The sky is the limit here, which is so exciting. If you love today's episode, let me know. Feel free to write a review or send me an email. I love hearing from you guys on what's helpful and what you're applying to your business, or if you just have feedback on things you would like to see changed or improved, like I'm also open to that feedback. So let me know. And if you have any ideas about podcast episodes or something that you'd like to learn, tell me, and I will make sure to find a guest that we can feature who will talk about those things. Like that's super, super, super important to me. So let me know. And thanks for listening today. As always, I'm always grateful for you guys, and I will catch you in next week's episode have a good one.